This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. Before we started kind of recording in earnest today, you said that there's a kind of specific reason behind your pursuit of, of autumn colour, aside from obviously its glory. <laughs> well, it's, um, I don't know, is, is it to do with the the end of the year, the, night, the days are getting shorter, but the garden's getting brighter and brighter? Um, I'm in the autumn of my life, so I'm <laughs> sharing, I hope, you know, the, 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 the plant's natural autumn thing, but I hope not to leave all my, lose all my leaves just yet. <laughs> must be hair, but uh, I don't want to lose the rest of it. It's all dropping <laughs> off too quickly at this age. <laughs> For anyone who's interested in what's going on at East Rustenald Vicarage at the moment in terms of autumn glory, then you'll have to go and check out not only our October, but our November at East Rustenald Vicarage uh, Talking Dirty specials, because 32 acres, your arboretum, there's always plenty to talk about fingers crossed we'll keep this going through december january february and get plenty of autumn and uh and, 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 the, and the great thing about autumn the other great thing about autumn is of course uh, shorter days mean longer evenings which means more time for reading yes <laughs> <laughs> and i mean we haven't talked about hortus yet this keeps happening we, we come on to talk about maybe something in particular a bit like when we talked to Richard about his Eucobus National Collection and got totally derailed by Roscoeas and Abutilons and various other plants before we even touched on pineapple lilies uh, but but Hortus you know the the reason so many people know you so well uh, David when did it has been going for so many episodes now a hundred and how many now well just put 148 to bed so next summer's issue will be the 150th and I started it in 1987 um, when I'd been made redundant from a job and set myself up as an energetic young jobbing gardener. And I thought, well, at this time, I was in my mid-30s, I suppose, early 30s, and I thought, I must, um, I'm just going to start, do if I can just earn enough money to get by, but doing something I really love. Um, my background was in Fleet Street, um, so I'd said goodbye to all that. Uh, I was living in the country and I thought, right, I'm going to make a garden and I'm going to work in other people's gardens as well. And within just a couple of, oh, I don't know, I think I've got printer's ink in my veins and not blood from <laughs> those Fleet Street years. And I thought, you know, where is all the really good garden reading these days? This is mid-80s. Magazines were giving more and more space to pictures, to photographs, beautiful, you know, wonderful things, but less and less text. And I had always been intrigued by um, a, a little monthly called My Garden, which started in the 1930s, went right through the war and lasted, I think, until about 1954 or 55. It coped with those um, post-war paper shortages um, and uh, didn't miss an issue. It was monthly, not quarterly. And it was just full of good garden writing, articles of between, I don't know, 1,000 and 2,000, 2,500 words, little wood engravings perhaps, or little black and white drawings. And that, and, and you can still get them in bundles usually in secondhand bookshops or charity shops. 
And they're, they're marvellous. And I thought, you know, there's nothing like that. Nobody's made a home now in the 1980s for good garden writing of length, of durability. So I wrote, sat down and wrote um, um, a number of letters, you know, dear Mrs. Hobhouse, dear Mrs. Veary, dear Sir Roy, and all that. And I was absolutely overwhelmed by the response, by people who wanted to so, say, yeah, I'd love to do it, but, you know, Country Life or um, uh, whatever magazine, they only give me 800 words now or something, and I got so much more to say. Um, Gardens Illustrated wasn't even born then, uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I predate Gardens Illustrated, which is wonderfully successful and does what it does beautifully. And I'd like to think that what I do uh, is is equally appreciated by giving a home for the long read, if you like. People who really want to sit down, enjoy good typography and good writing. Yeah. i just say something else. While we're on the subject, can we just say something else about all this? And it is this. That <laughs> is the size of Hortus. Yes. It is eminently portable. It's a kind of thing that you can take with you without taking up too much space or anything. So if you're on a, a journey somewhere on the train or something like that, and you just want, and each article is, it's it's a dippable periodic, yeah. I think. You dip into it and dip out of it. I mean, yeah. it's this and that, it's bits and bobs. It's absolutely fascinating. I'm just reading about, well, I'm reading the thing in praise of older plants, cherished familiars, not forgotten. And I often come back to that in my my gardening itself. Uh -huh. um, and quite often people, gardeners, um, will say mistakenly, oh, that's a common old thing. But do you ask yourself why it may be a common old thing? Yes. It's been no, aware. I was, I was it's, glad to... Uh... Like you and I, David, it's been around a long time and it's bloody good value. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it gives me still great, great pleasure. And I'm I'm asked occasionally, you know, can, can we have it in digital format or something? And I say, no, it's... I care about the production values, the typography. You'll see on the very, very last page, Alan, that uh, note at the bottom about the typography. We use... We use a typeface called Van Dyke, Van Dyke. which is a yeah. monotype face, which is based on the Dutch gardening books of the 17th century. I and love monotype, that. I've done a modification of it. That that one little remark has just shown the the amount that you care about your your magazine. I think it's absolutely marvelous. And also, um, it's a quarterly magazine. Um, I'm thinking of people now perhaps wanting to give Christmas presents. I mean, I know Thordis has already hinted, and I knew <laughs> she was going to do that, of course. That does <laughs> reveal that I don't have a subscription. I did, but when I was uh, about to pop, I thought I'm never going to have the time because the way I read Hortus is I, I can't take it on a train. So mine is sort of the other half's out of the house. The house is utterly silent and hopefully a sunny morning. I want to be sitting on my sofa in the morning when the sun is streaming through oh. with a cup of coffee and an article in Hortus that I've saved that I can listen. Like I can I can kind of fully paint all the pictures without anything intruding on my little magical world of those 1500 words or whatever it might be. And I thought the likelihood that I'd be able to have that moment uh, with the little one around was, was oh, unlikely. Well, that's something I shall think of when I'm putting the next issue together that's... <laughs> Nice to know. Feedback is 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 important, isn't it? And yes, it is. The only like downside that being that, 
It's like a fantastic box of chocolates. When you get bought an extra special box of chocolates and uh, you discover that this is how I operate, you discover the flavours you really love. I try and save them. And the next thing I know, either he's eaten them or they've been chucked <laughs> out because he thinks I'm not eating them. Or <laughs> And so sometimes I can save things too much. And I swear there are articles that I've probably been saving that I've never actually got around to reading because I'm waiting for that perfect moment to, to read them. So I'm sure there's an adage for life in there. In there well, I, I've done one anthology um, yeah. called Waters Revisited. Ah, well, there we go. <laughs> Well, I was, I was going to say, because um, if Alan was going to talk about Christmas presents, of course, if somebody has already got the Hortus subscription, then uh, this book is wonderful in terms of revisiting the articles you might have missed or reminding yep. you of ones you've forgotten from, from previous years. Yes, yes. I love that. It's kind of you to to, um, to, <laughs> to, to say those things. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a soul. It's Simon and I do it together with with the help of a very good a uh, friend who d handles all the business side, you know, the, the, the subscriptions. I mean, the mailing problems these days are just horrendous. And, you know, I, I, I worry slightly because it won't be long before the cost of uh, sending the thing out uh, is going to be more than the cost of producing it. You know, it's getting ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And we have lost a lot of European um, subscribers because of Brexit. And I'm not going to introduce anything more political to this talk than that, <laughs> except to say that in some countries, some EU countries, in Austria, for example, now, they have to pay VAT on receiving porters. They have to pay 22 euros per issue to receive it. That's a handling charge and their own country's VAT. Well, they cancel their subscription, don't they? Oh. Mm. But they're, I refuse to lost. do the version yet. <laughs> So maybe digital's down. We may all be going digital one day. Maybe maybe I should do um, a companion. I won't say competing podcast. <laughs> I will do some readings from horses. That might be a nice little thing to do. Oh, yes. We, we don't care. I mean, competitor companion, we don't mind. As long as there's just more gardening out there, that's what we're interested in. Wonderful. I, I, know, I know quite a few gardeners, David, that actually have um, well-known gardening authors on their um, on their audio thing on their telephone, so they're able to pop their earphones in yes. and they listen while they're gardening, which I think is is rather lovely. Fantastic, yeah, yeah. So that's a, a, another avenue to be um, planted. And, yeah. and as a plantaholic, it must be a joy for you when you are reading through the articles that, that come in. And I don't know whether you commission or whether they just arrive on your desk or you just get deluged from people who want to write for Hortus. But when you... I, I reckon to commission 75 percent of it, you know, so it's it's it reflects my interests, which are wide. Yes. <laughs> um, you might say eclectic because there are some odd, very odd things turn up in Hortus. <laughs> um, simply would never find a home elsewhere. Digging with the Duchess, it must be the only gardening spoof uh, <laughs> published anywhere in the world. And it's, um, it's outrageously funny and um, it has its devotees rather like the archers. Yeah. People love to follow this ridiculous uh, Duchess smoking her 40 caps and full strength a day and no stranger to the gin um, and the gardening gloves. So um, she alone, I know, um, uh, sells Hortus to a certain to a certain group of readers. 
And when you get these various articles, obviously there's travel writing in there, there's history, there's you know pieces on colour, all kinds of, of wonderful eclectic things. It must inform your garden, you know, your gardening decisions, introducing you to plants, reminding you of plants, helping you to make a decision on, on some combination or some corner of the garden. It, it, there must be some, yes, it must rub off, obviously, and I hope it rubs off on the readers too. It, it certainly I think does. It does, yes. <laughs> And yeah. I think it helps us sometimes to re to look again. I mean, Alan says this about taking photos of his garden to to look again at plants you're growing or combinations you've got, or to I don't know even go out and appreciate the glory of the, the bright crisp morning. Having read about one in in Hortus, you can kind of go out and live it. I don't know. It it does it does feed yes. into your day to day somehow. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think most gardeners too do fall into the same two categories that Simon and I largely represent, you know, design or plants. Some There are genius gardeners who have both at all, but I can remember when I used to do a lot of talks to um, uh, gardening clubs. I don't do so, so much of that these days, but I, I very often used to say, particularly to a, an entirely female audience, I used to often begin by saying, you know, that your garden is your knicker drawer, you know, you just arrange it as you want it, you know. You, do, you don't need a garden designer that's going to charge you sort of thousands of guineas to come and tell you what to plant. Just do what you want to do and enjoy it. It's going to make me think very differently. When I see a very organised garden from now on, I'm going to think very differently of that person's knicker drawer. <laughs> <laughs> All like rolled up and colour coordinated or something. Exactly. That's Matching it. sets. <laughs> <laughs> now um we we've sort of touched on flomo because i asked you about uh about this sort of thing you wanted to get hold of but uh, flomo that fear of missing out you get about a flower or a plant even with many acres i mean alan certainly with 32 acres always deluged with flomo do you find yourself even having gardened all these years with quite a quite a long list of of plants that you would like to get hold of or you haven't grown before you want to try Yes, and there's no shortage of new new varieties coming along, um, and I'd love to try. I'd love to try. I mean, I do spend most of my money on woody plants, shrubs, trees, but I'm now making, uh, you know, under the trees I want the shrubs, under the shrubs I want the perennials, under the perennials I want the bulbs. You know, the 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 the, the, the many layers of gardening, and the. the the choice is phenomenal and, and thank heavens for mail order because living where I do, we've got one very good nursery uh, up in the hills above Carmarthen called Farmyard Nurseries, which I use a lot. And have very good. Them. Do I, David? Yeah. Yes, very, yeah. very good. Yes, I do. I use, I use them an awful lot. I mean, they're just... As a as a nursery, I think it's probably a family run nursery, is it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's it's a guy called. But they Richard, are such such obliging people to deal with. I have to say, yeah, give them wonderful. ten out of ten for that. Well, it's a second home for me, and I go up there and we just put the kettle on and we wander through, you know, all the new acquisitions and yeah, yeah. And I think every Lovely. time I go, I think God, why didn't I bring a bigger car? You know, I must get <laughs> <have> a, <car. laughs> a bus. <laughs> yeah, so there are always there are always lovely things. Um, what the, the there's uh, I've never I'm, I'm intrigued by, but I could never seem to find in nurseries Lindera. You must grow Lindera, Alan. Lindera. I'm sure. Jimmy Blake, uh, a big fan of Lindera. Yeah, yeah. So, well, there's 
Um, it's, not a, it's not a large genus, but it's they have wonderful autumn colour, tend to be more yellow and, and pale orange rather than the deep reds. But you need those colours um, with my Japanese maples, uh, 30 or so uh, only. <laughs> um, I plant the reds next to the oranges intermingle with the yellows. And we're talking about the autumn colours now. Um, and it's that, it's that contrast. And you... If you, if you just wanted a garden with Japanese maples, underplanted, say, with erythroniums and iris siberica, gosh, that's plenty, isn't it? I mean, that's, yeah. that yeah. could keep, keep a man happy for many years, I think. I think, Linda, you'll get from Bluebell Nurseries, actually. Good, good. I've been there. That's up in um, Derbyshire, isn't it? Yes, it is. Ashby de la Zouche, I seem to think. Yes, yes you're right. Yeah, yeah. But most nurseries now will send you things, won't they? So that's yep. that's good. Yeah, more and more of them. Um, yeah, I, I definitely have got Lindra Triloba on my wish list, but the, the garden's taken a bit of a hit over the last year. So <laughs> the less said about that, the better. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm after a, um, a parotia called Bella. I can't seem to find that at the moment. So um, you will. <laughs> do you have it, Alan? I bet you have. No, it. I don't. I don't have it, but I just said you will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm interested in any parotia. What is Bella like in particular? It's just uh, it, it, it 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 it's autumn colour begins earlier, probably in August, and and will stay on till Christmas, oh. um, and goes long and all the time between oranges and purples and. Um, yeah and oh, it just sounds wonderful i haven't seen it i'm only going by somebody else's words well sometimes you just need to grow it don't you yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been flomoing over all kinds of things uh to go back to your aces you posted a photo of i think it was a new acquisition ace of and wild goose yes which looked to have wonderful scarlet little terrific yeah terrific color terrific um goose. it's um it's grown. It's grown well, and actually, I planted them in. Uh, when did I plant them? In end of March, beginning of April this year. So they went straight into that prolonged drought and score and that long period of scorching days for two months. You know, sixty days of. of I had umbrellas over them. I went down to the pound <laughs> shop and bought umbrellas. I bought fifteen umbrellas. And I move them round. This is what an old man does in his afternoons, Alan, you know. I move the umbrellas round as the sun moves and put them over these small three-foot, two-foot, six young Japanese maples because the, the paler-leaved ones, the Shirazawanums and, and those uh, moonrise and moonbeam and those varieties, they scorch very quickly. And, yeah. of course, they hadn't yeah. got their roots in. They, they hadn't found their own drinking hole yet so i was standing at the end of a hose pipe with a hose pipe in one hand and an umbrella in the other you know, i thought this is quite dotty but you know they're my babies you, you do it don't you you do it yeah that is yes. wonderful i will find myself doing that at some point in the future i'm sure um also uh you talked about your corners coozers earlier corners coozers schmetterling and heartthrob um Slightly different colourings. Both looked like they brought fabulous, flamey colours. Rob is extraordinary. Um, you know, I, I make no apologies for the name because I didn't name it. But um, <laughs> it, it, it is, you know, the way a, a corner sleeve has this sort of curl to it. Yes. Um, and it does look heart shaped now as it as it's, as as the leaves are maturing. Well, about to fall off. But the colour is fantastic. So I don't know whether. 
it's the blood from the heart that it's named for all the shape of the leaf, but it's a damn good tree. And it's got two flowers on it now, bless it, two pink flowers, rather like the Floridas, you know, the Cherokee Brave and, and yeah. those, those pinky uh, dogwoods. Um, so it's another confused plant, but that's... Up of this year anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talking of pink vein flowers, I mean, like whether I'll ever live in a garden where it would be happy, but um, the, the autumn colour on your Enchianthus campanulatus. The, oh, the, I mean, obviously in spring, those lovely little bells sort of ready yes. pinky veining into the, the creamy um, bells and uh, wonderful fiery fall colours. It's, it's another bomb-proof plant too, and I've grown that on non-acid soil it works just as well oh, really yeah and they i've seen them i've seen them about 10 12 feet tall um but they still have a smallish footprint um so they don't take up a lot of room so you can have three where you might only have one um and the colors vary from plant to plant slightly as as the persian spire parotia does i've got one that's full of yellow leaves at the moment and the other one planted 10 feet away is is a most wonderful claret colour. Um, wow. Seed rays, I suppose, and has these tiny differences, which is all part of the the, the joy and um, surprise, isn't it? Of, of oh, yes, yeah, it is. And I must add in, it's um, completely different. We've, we've mostly dealt with woodier material on this podcast, but I did see a charming little woodlander on your Instagram, which I have never, ever heard of. And I'm going to say it wrong, but Peltoboikinia? Something like well, that. Well, I found that at a, a plant sale um, this summer. And it, do you know Karenga Shoma? Yes. It's, it's a sort of miniature version of that. Um, I don't think it'll, it, it'll probably grow to about 15 inches. Uh, it flowered in August. Um, so just before Karenga Shoma, that tends to be more September. And it's the most lovely sort of buttery yellow flowers over these large palmate leaves and just looks absolutely at home with Japanese maples as an underplanting. It just it just has a sort of Japanese look about it for some Fringing reason. to the petals, like yes. a little sort of feathering, like yes. someone's got some pinking shears on it. Somebody said when I posted on, um, on uh, Instagram, they said, oh, it's got jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> so it does look as if it's had the pinking shears. It comes from Japan and China. I'm cheating now. I'm looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> And it's a member of the saxophrage family. And it is, I mean, it's one of those plants that you look at it and it doesn't shout at you, but it it draws your attention. It's a very discreet. Yes. I would yes. say a very discreet plant. Lovely. A, a good woodlander. I think it'll take a bit more sun than Karenga Shoma might. Well, I'm told it mm. would by the, the nurseryman who sold it to me. Um, but again, it's new here. So oh, new plants are just very exciting, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And of course, the other the other great love, uh, apart from the Japanese maples and the the dogwoods, um, uh, are Iris Siberica. I'm building a collection of those and asters by any name. Asters, really? <laughs> oh, how interesting! Those well, violet a... colours, you know, those rosy colours, yeah. colours, violet colours, with awesome woody plant colours are just fantastic. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely true. Symphiotrichum now, David, lots of them. I know, I know. That's why I say an aster by any name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those botanists. Well, the, pro the problem is the botanists, uh, what they're doing and they're doing is, is informative and it's right, it's correct. 
Yes. Um, but it's very difficult for gardeners to perhaps, I mean, not necessarily you and I, because we're dealing with it all the time. Mm. I mean, talking about nomenclature. Yes. Um, but it's for the general public. I mean, it's, you know, to go from a two syllable word like aster yes. to sim, fi, o, tri, come, a five syllable word is yes, exactly. pretty impossible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. When, when the name first changed, Alan and I were working together on the radio. And oh, yes. Whenever I see Simfire Trikon written down, whenever I say it, I hear Alan in my head saying, that, and the way I remember it, Simfire, oh, Trikon. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan, well, inextricably linked to Astor's forevermore. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you you need things like that to, as sort of little aid memoir. I think. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who is a big Astor fan, uh, we did a, a lovely uh, talking dirty special with uh, with Picton Garden. Uh, so many 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 Astors and Simfire Trichomes uh, delved into there. So if you're looking for the best ones or the most interesting ones or ones with stories, then that was uh, an interesting episode. Well, the garden there, the foothills and the Malvern Hills, just so beautiful. And he has liquid ambers and Japanese maples all sort of stitched in among them. It's terrific. Probably not too late now. I don't know when when is this podcast going out. (laughs) Certainly in September and October. And this year, November, it's a late season, isn't it, Alan? It's for- it is a late season. And also, the other thing about the Picton Garden, I think, is that they have widened their interest in plants. I mean, they have an awful lot of wonderful snowdrop collection as well. Yes, they do. Oh, yeah. all the succulents. Plants, yes, yes. Everything. Yes. Um, before we have to bring this to a close, Alan, any flow-mo that you would like to to draw our attention to? Anything that's caught your just, attention in this podcast? Well, no, no, it hasn't caught my attention today, but it's just the one which I've which I'm, I, I've got two bits of south-facing wall and it's back to woody material again um, because I want to try growing. They're not tall walls. They're probably no taller than about 12 feet, but I want to try growing a magnolia grandiflora against them because I saw this done at um, uh, a garden in Suffolk and they had two L-shaped flint walls, probably no more than about six foot high, I suppose, and a seat enclosed with this L-shaped thing. And behind the, between the seat and the wall was Magnolia grandiflora. But it was pruned within an inch of its life. Poor thing, I thought, when I looked at it. And then I looked at it again, and I went away, and I came back and looked at it again, and I suddenly thought, yes, but, you know, the flowers are there. And the flowers are... interesting. You know, you can actually see them, you can appreciate, you can get close to them. Whereby Magnolia grandiflora, I got one I grew from a cutting. We had, we planted originally on the front of the house and I ripped it out one morning after being kept awake all night with it rattling on the window. But I took a cutting and that cutting grew and it's now a tree and it's in in the North Garden here. And I mean, it's lovely. I can see the flowers from my bedroom window, but of course you can't see them very much from ground level. Well, you can just about, but you can't do what you want to do. I want to bury my nose in it. There's quite a few of them around here in South Wales. There's quite a few that are just open, open ground trees. Yes. Expect as, well, the old advice was to plant them against the wall, wasn't it? For yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Protection. The one I want, to, I want to acquire is, I think there's an old French variety, which is called a double. Um, and it's not really double. It's got a, like a secondary row of petals behind those big... Um, parchmenty like like petals if you like um and i just thought I, i'd like to get that and i think it's called is it non uh, n-a-n-t-a-i-s-e i think uh, oh. one says that 
And I think they may have sourced one from Langthorne's Plantry, oh. who are down in Essex. Good. good. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I but, it, but, it, but, but it does mean that I've now got a surplus of two Magnolia Grandifloras because I'd already <laughs> I'd already asked Richard to, to get me a couple. But anyway. Uh, what a problem anyway. to have. <laughs> you see, this is something else that I'm sure, David, you do this as well. You you think of the plant that you would like, be it a cornus or be it rhododendron or be it an hydrangea. And then you suddenly think, ah, but there's a better one than that. Yes, of course. I've read about this and I need to know about that. And then you're in danger of becoming a collector. And then you get nerdy. Well, I think we both are, actually. Oh, absolutely, yes. (laughs) I think everybody attached to this podcast, listening, watching, I think we all put ourselves a little bit in danger of that, if not well stuck into that, dragged down (laughs) into the world. And you... Obsession. You find soulmates very easy. You find other hydrangea nuts and you find Japanese maple nuts and aster nuts. And you you, you just, they, we just find each other somehow. Yeah, well, there's a mutual interest, isn't it? Because yeah. there's a lovely old lady who died now, but um, she had the most wonderful collection of alpine bulbs. And she used to invite me to her garden, snowdrop time, and it's throughout the year and all the rest of it. And it's always, well, bring a trial and take a bit of that, you know. Yeah, and I yeah. said to her one day, Anne, how on earth did you get such a marvellous collection? And she just looked at me and she said, well, it's not what you know, is it? <laughs> well, they say if you want to keep a plant, give it away. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I've certainly had an, a, a number of very interesting plants restored to me. I've got some wonderful um, Sternbergias that Tony Venison gave me. You know Tony Venison, who yes, former yeah. gardens editor of Country Life, great friend of... Um, um Cedric Morris yeah uh, these are the bulbs that uh, Cedric gave to Tony Venison that Tony Venison gave to me that Cedric Morris dug up in the 1950s in Andalusia can't do it now it'd be frowned upon but it wasn't then uh and I've got a lovely big pot of those when I was having uh back in those hospital days of a few years ago through neglect they got they got lost but I'd already given some to friends in Cambridgeshire and they were restored to me again last year. So oh, wonderful. That same, that same bloodline goes on and they're right here. Cedric's Sternbergias from Andalusia. Wonderful, yeah. isn't it? And I'll return them to Benton End when, I, when, I, when they've bulked up. Cedric's yeah. old, I saw somebody say, um, isn't it funny that... There is so much garden writing. Garden gardening is this visual thing, and yet there's so much garden writing, so much garden radio, all these mediums where you wouldn't expect such a visual medium to thrive. But I think it is because it's all about stories, yeah. and it's I don't know. And and I suppose for those of us who know the plants, you also get a, a great visual of it. But there's so mm. much about story and the backstories, the provenance, um, the plant hunters, the modern plant hunters. I've got a piece in the winter issue by a young man from the um, Edinburgh Botanic Garden who's plant hunting now in his early 20s. He's plant hunting in Vietnam right now. Terrific, isn't it? Okay. So gardeners okay. are getting younger, Alan. They're getting younger. Which <laughs> <laughs> is wonderful. So, so not, as a breed, we're not going to die out. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, with the subscribers to Hortus in their 20s and 30s, that can give us all hope, can't it? Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David. I mean, it's been absolutely wonderful to catch up with you. Fingers crossed you'll come back. Maybe show us some of your spring bulbs uh, when uh, when the weather gets a little warmer. Well, it's, I put as much as I can on Instagram without pestering people. And um, <laughs> the rest of it's in Hortus. So 
I think I think it'd be lovely to look at Iris Sibirica. Yes, because you know a collection of those is. I mean, it's a very easy plant to grow. Very easy, and it bulks up, so you can you can yeah. put it away by the ton. Yeah, and there are lots of lots of lovely varieties, different heights, different colours within a certain spectrum. Um, again, bomb-proof plants—they're just wonderful. And I, I think, think that, alas, but um, perhaps somebody with a small garden. But perhaps somebody with a small garden, it might be nice to have flowering times as well. Yes. So you can have early, medium, and late. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I grow a little one, iris called uh, Iris Pumula. Pumula, do you know that? Yeah, it's only I do. six inches tall, but it looks like a miniature Siberica, flowers about a month earlier. And then you've got the Dutch iris bulbs that come on about a month after. So you can have three months of lovely iris, that kind of easy growing iris, um, March, April, and May. I think I know when we're going to get you back then, David. <laughs> <laughs> so you, missed, you missed an iris out there because I'm going to put in a plug for iris latifolia, which is known as the English iris. Yes. It's getting increasingly difficult to find the bulbs of that, but it blooms after the Dutch iris. Um, and it's a lovely, lovely garden plant. I gave that away to somebody. I lost mine. And they, is an old gentleman, he used to grow it in rows on his allotment because his wife was a flower arranger, so he grew it for her. And he used to harvest the bulbs every year and grade them. And so he was able to bring me some bulbs back yes. um, in, in the autumn for replanting for the following year. So I'm, I've still got it. Fantastic. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. 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 Enduring. Yeah. The joys of gardening. David, I can't wait to see all of these irises next year. But <laughs> until then, <laughs> people need to hop onto the Halters website. It's very easy to order a subscription for yourself or order as yep. a gift. Um, you can get hold of Halters Revisited still. Um, that's very endangered now. We've only got a few copies, first oh. come, first serve. Um, <laughs> but but horses, we we can certainly supply. Yeah, and back uh, back catalogue copies as well. Winter one is in the press now, and will be available by the end of the month. So it's uh, another year completed. Wonderful. Well, until Lovely. next time, thank, thank you very much. much. It's been an absolute joy, David. Happy Terrific. gardening, everybody. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, happy gardening. My step. Thank you. And you. <laughs> bye bye. Hey. Hey, Fordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening. And we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time. <laughs>